0: Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday Sermon Series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. The text that we have just read briefly is actually a song or psalm, a poetry written by King David. King, and the context of this psalm is such that King David has just been informed, has just been notified the deaths of two very people are important in his life. One is King Saul, the first king of Israel, God's anointed, uh, the handsome, charming, smart, wealthy, chosen by the people of God, hailed as a very first king of Israel, someone whom David had served someone who led worship for, someone who had fought the valiant giant of Goliath in the battlefield. So he had just been notified of the death of King Saul. The second is that um, the death of his beloved brother or friend, Jonathan. Jonathan actually was the son of Saul. He was supposed to be the heir apparent, Had not been God intervening and had not been God anointing David to be the king of Israel succeeding the reign of Saul. At this time... Jonathan had been so supportive. Jonathan from early on had recognized God's anointing upon David. He had been so supportive. He had loved David. He had come to David's rescue when his crazy father Saul had gotten mad and wanted to do everything in his power to bring death upon David. He had Hidden him, he had shielded David, and he had loved him and honored him. Even through the exile of David, Jonathan stayed very close at the heart of David. And years later, David is now being informed by one of his men coming, returning from another city from the battlefield and informing King David that David, King Saul, Saul has been struck dead. Your beloved brother, Jonathan, has been struck dead. And you have to understand the complexities of what David may be going through here. On one hand, he may be glad. On one hand, he may be relieved that the threat of his life, Saul, is now forever eliminated from his life. Maybe there was a sense of relief and even gladness that a threat has been Removed, But he's also confused because King Saul, whether you like it or not, is someone that he had held tremendous love and honor. Even when he had the chance of striking Saul dead, he refrained himself. He honored God because of the history that he had carried. So you have to understand the emotions that David is experiencing is not just Linearly, hatred, gladness, but it's very complex. And on the other hand, David is just a loss at words because Jonathan, one who has loved him closer than any of his real siblings, David was not an orphan, guys. He was not an only child, he had many other uh, brothers says more than any other brothers and he compares even that of other women he praises he relishes the love that he has once held for Jonathan here David is having to come to grasp to the reality of now these two people have been gone now he's sorting through all, so, all sorts of thoughts and emotions and is praying and is writing this song before the Lord. And what prompted me to preach um, on this topic of grief and loss today is actually uh, I'm in a season of grieving my own losses of relationships, not particularly lives, but you know, for the past two, three years, actually a little bit longer than that um, You know, about five years ago, I I had a fallout. I had a loss of relationship with one of my family members. And um, I don't have the time to go through the details of what happened and what took place. But um, after five years, I don't even know how to... I, I don't know what the proper thoughts and approach is. And all I know is that it hurts me. All I know is that I'm confused And oftentimes, I'm left without hope, and for all the remaining days of my life, I really don't know what I'm to do. As a man of God, as a a man who claims to have faith in God, as a man of prayer, I've sought God many times and days and nights, and sometimes I have... I feel like I have answers. Sometimes I feel like God gives me this encouragement and courage and joy. I feel like I can go on. But there are days where, in fact, I was just triggered two weeks ago. It, it, of all days, it happened on the Super Bowl Sunday. In the middle of the game, this, I'm overcome with this emotion while people are cheering for these two teams. and like, all of a sudden, I'm struck with this extreme grief reminded of the loss of this relationship. Many relationships. One that pertains to my family member all my life. And a couple that pertains to my friendships lasting 25, 30 plus years. And um, I just... It, it, it really is painful. And now that I know that my children are in my, now my care uh, under my care, I think about them. I think about how my troubles and my losses of these relationships also impact the lives of my children and the loss of relationship and the opportunity that they no longer have. And um, so... So today, as I stand before you, um, I share as not someone who has mastered this topic, not as someone, like, as an expert, like, and not as someone just simply because you're older, like, hey, you're supposed to have figured things out, just simply as a fellow brother, uh, as a friend, uh, a fellow journeyman along the path of life, I, I just want to sh- simply share candidly with you, as I was discerning through this mixture of emotions of anger, sadness, uh, loneliness, um, guilt, shame, embarrassment—all of these things—I'm just a, like the word "hot mess." I think is such an appropriate term because there are certain things in life you just had. No clear idea of what's happening. And um, so that prompted me to read two books in a hurry. Right after the Super Bowl Sunday, I, I really don't do this. I, I purchased two books online as a, as, uh, uh, what is it, what's the word? As um, spontaneous and reckless possible. I didn't even go to Christian bookstore. I didn't even type Christian book on grief and sorrow. I just put grief and sorrow I just searched through the sifted through the popular books and I just picked two books and I began to read them. And I had never read two books in like 10 days. And <laughs> you know like you know what I mean like when you're desperate you do things any you do anything and I reached out to my friend who's a psychologist you guys know Dr. Uh, Jessica Lee. I said, "Hey Jessica, I'm I'm going to talk about this. Do you have any word of advice or or what do you think?" And And she shared with me this uh, chart uh, written by or shared by a a psychologist, Kubler-Ross. And she says there are uh, five stages of a cycle of grief. There's denial, which is the avoidance and confusion, elation, shock, fear. Like you deny that this is happening. You're in denial. You're pushing away the reality of what is happening in your life. Then there comes the anger, you're frustrated, you're irritated, you're anxious, and that there's a bargaining portion of this process where you are just so overwhelmed and you feel completely helpless and you don't have any answers to what you are experiencing. Then there is depression, struggling to find meaning, reaching out to others, telling one's story. You're desperately seeking your story to be heard and known, be validated in what you are going through. Then there's acceptance. We're finally now exploring options, new plan in place, moving on. And my friend explained that these stages of grief are not actually linear. These stages of grief actually, as challenging as it already is, is saying any of these things could happen randomly. Oh, by the way, Scott, just because you're through one stage, one of these five stages doesn't mean that you're completely clear. I said, that's really terrible. You're saying that in the moments of our extreme vulnerability of grieving and, and, and just mourning, we are at the mercies of any of these things happening, hitting us, overwhelming us, paralyzing us. So, um, And she also said that she sees so many clients with grief issues because their lives didn't look like or their lives don't look like what they had imagined. And we are given a narrative that it should look happy and fulfilling, quote, acceptance has been repeatedly shown in research that it is the goal of so much spiritual and inner growth. And I think it's so helpful that we at least recognize these different stages of grief. And perhaps as you read just briefly the descriptions of what is conveyed on this chart, maybe you are experiencing, maybe you perhaps are going through a loss and grief. Perhaps you have been struggling trying to grasp what it is that you ought to do in this season of life. So uh, again, I share today as, as a fellow journeyman, as a fellow brother uh, in the Lord, and, and I hope to connect some dots for you. At the very least, I hope that you know that you are not the only one struggling in the season where you are grieving the losses of your loved one, perhaps, of a, 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 a loss of relationship, or just a furthering of your people in your life, okay? So first of all, let's start with a definition. We need some definitions here. What grief is, what forms we experience grief in. According to the American uh, Psychological Association, uh, grief is defined this way. Grief is the anguish experienced after significant loss, Usually the death of a beloved person. Usually a death of a beloved person. We're now talking about accidents. We're talking about illnesses, natural disasters, crimes even. We're talking about an infant who died days after uh, his birth, before his birth, with no known cause a young man who was involved in a fatal car accident at the age of 13. So the pain comes, a grief comes because of our close attachment to the people, whether it be family and friends. It's because of our uh, closeness and our attachment to these people. And because of the closeness of the attachment, we are left with gaping holes Created by such losses. And we feel as though that we are not the same. And if we could be honest, we wonder if we would ever be the same going forward. By the description, by the definition alone, we experience grief not only through debts, we also experience grief through the loss of relationships and loss of hope. As well. As I share my own uh, story with you guys, I am grieving right now, currently, over the losses of relationships of my family and friends. Perhaps you may be feeling that with parents, siblings. Maybe you have seen the furthering distance of your uh, dear friends. Uh, We may be talking about divorce. After years of sharing intimate love, being so sure that God's hand was upon this relationship, and all of a sudden you find yourself no longer tied to the person that you even have pledged for the rest of your life. And now you are uh, left with resentment, pain, and even confusion. And also the loss of hope that there may, another, that there may be another opportunity to love or to be loved again. And some of us, we may also be grieving um, of loss of hope. When I talk about it, uh, when you sense that you have thought one thing, but all of a sudden, it, that opportunity or that chance, that, that, that outlook of life has been taken away from you. You know, this past week I talked to a, a friend of mine, and he was sharing with me that... Uh, he, had, he and his wife had just found out that his young son was diagnosed with um, autism. Was, uh, and, and he was grieving over the fact that it came to them not as a complete surprise. It is something they had suspected. But when they physically heard the news, and, and he was sharing with me how much that impacted them and they were mourning, and they were praying, they were trying to figure out the meaning of what they had just been given to them. So I want you to understand that grief and loss, the sense of grief comes in many different shapes and forms. I could even say some of us may be grieving at the opportunities of career, opportunities of financial gain, Maybe some of us, you have suffered great loss in finances. Maybe your investment, maybe your your intuition, which you thought was so spot on and brilliant, have resulted in some futile results. Maybe you're grieving over some loss in your possessions as well. So... I want you to be aware that there are different ways you may encounter grief. And likely, all of you may be carrying a grief of some sort. And this is also where we remind ourselves to be careful. And because of the reality that grief can hit us in different forms and shapes, we want to be very sensitive and mindful when we interact with other people not to minimize or to, to, to uh, invalidate what others may be going through. What we don't struggle as much certainly may not be the case for someone next to you. What we have never witnessed in the course of our own lives, we don't know what that person is going through. What we take as a matter-of-fact we say, take for granted, perhaps for somebody else, is a lifelong prayer. And they have been waiting for years, if not their entire lives, for that to take place. So we want to be sensitive to that as well. And the degrees of which we experience grief and how it impacts our lives may be different. And the need to attend to our individual griefs is also more or less the same. And I'm going to just share uh, different truths about grief. I think some of you guys, uh, my, my, my uh, uh, hope and, and desire is that you may just uh, have a better understanding at the end of this talk that you may be better situated and that you may find hope and the courage to continue with life. Here are some truths about grief. I particularly love this book. I loved this book. It's okay that you are not okay. Amazon recommended, Scott recommended. <laughs> so, if you're interested, you could pick up this book. This is a very good book. Um, first and, and for the next uh, four things and it's just straight from this book, all right? So, grief is part of love. Love for life, love for self, love for others. What you are living, painful as it is, is love. And love is really hard, excruciating at times. We grieve, we feel the impact of loss because we have first loved. Without the attachment of our hearts and our souls, we don't grieve. We don't grieve as much. So understand that grief is part of love. What the author says is that that's her way of conveying that grief is a part of humanity. Grief is always going to be a portion of all of our lives because why? We as human beings, we are creatures that pursue, we are creatures that desire, and creatures that love. And because of that reality, grief is also a part of our nature. Second... Grief is visceral, not reasonable. Meaning, grieving, grief is more innate, is, um, what's the word here? Uh, um, It's instinctive. So oftentimes, when you grieve over something, it's not a controllable or reasonable emotion or process. We are almost reacting Your body is reacting. Your heart and mind is reacting to what you are processing. So this is why oftentimes grief blindsides us. It comes at us completely unpredicted. It comes at us sometimes manageable, sometimes beyond what we are capable of dealing with. So understand that grief is visceral, not reasonable. Third, Grief is as individual as love. If I talked about, hey, what, are, what do you care about the most? What are you most passionate about? Some of us, it's um, family. Some of us, it's our pursuit of good career. We have different attachments and passions in, in, in the course of our lives. And because of that, grief also is very distinctive And again, what you grieve over may be very different than what I grieve over. Fourth, grieving is for a while. And I love this part. Uh, This was the most helpful for me. And the author basically says, grief is not necessarily something that you want to overcome. I mean, how counterintuitive is that? How, How... How often have we heard, even through sermons, that, man, just power through. We we just got to do it. just suck it up. Come on, man. Come on. You know, even like, even as babies, when we're raising as babies, maybe not you guys. When I was raising up, you know, there was a phrase in Korean, like I heard over and over again. You guys know what that is? What what do you hear when you're crying? Your parents say, doop. (laughs) You you know what that is? Maybe all of us... I don't even know. It's just a sound. It's not even a word. It's basically, no, it's basically starts. stop. Like even as growing up, we are taught to stop, stop crying, stop crying. It's almost like, put on the emergency brakes. Don't follow through what you're naturally, instinctively processing. And, and we have been conditioned, even unknowingly, that just put a stop to it. But we understand, so naturally, we think that grief is something that we want to overcome. Grief is something that we want to just as shed away as quickly as possible. When we do this, we're not properly being attended to. And I'm not even just talking about proper, psych- uh, just secular psychology. But even in the way of God comforting us, I think we, under, we bypass the element where God comes to us in grief, God comes to us when we are a hot mess. There's a special intimacy that brews out of God's closeness as we are just sorting through our thoughts and emotions. And the author says, grief is something to be carried, not overcome. Do we, I don't know, do you find comfort in that? Grief is something to be carried, not overcome. Um. so, and here's my recommendation. Here's my, I I call this um, next portion of the talk is, I had to change the heading so much. I put remedy, I put advice. I said, God, these are words and languages, descriptions that don't really fit when you talk about grief. So this is what I came up with. I said instead, preparation and guidance. Preparation and guidance. Guidance, because I can't quite call remedies for something that we may potentially carry for the rest of our lives. Number one, recognize that you may be grieving today. Simply recognize that you may be grieving today. Just all I'm saying is don't be in denial. Don't try to fight off. If you sense, if you have ever in the course of your life have suffered a loss of a life, suffered a loss of your beloved one, suffered a loss of a relationship that you have once cherished, perhaps you are in a season of sorting through the mess in your family uh, or, or the, just the conflicts and the, uh, the infighting, simply recognize that you may be grieving. Second... Remember that you are known and you are loved by God. I think this is something probably the most important for me personally because I do get overwhelmed. I do feel helpless. And I don't have the answers for the remaining days of my life how this will be sorted out. So the first thing that I want to do is that I remember and I remind myself that I'm not alone. Rather, I'm known and I'm dearly loved by God, which means God knows my pain. All of these terrible emotions that I carry, all the feelings that I have, I believe and trust that God knows them. Psalm 139 verses 1, 1, 2, 3 says this, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. It says, God has searched me. When I am searching for my thoughts, when I'm searching for my answers, when I'm searching for comfort and peace, guess who else is also doing the searching? Your heavenly Father is doing exactly the same thing. Your heavenly Father is going actually deeper than you yourself could. And he's letting you know that you are known by him. If you read as a non-Christian, Psalm 139, you would be thinking, man, this is a stalker. Someone who counts the number of your hair on your head. Someone who knows you're going and coming. Someone who knows you're outside and inside. Oof. Please. Remember that you are known by God. Tim Keller says this, right? The beauty of the gospel is that you're fully known. At the same time, you're fully loved. You're not only known by God, but you're also fully loved. Meaning, through your pain and grief and losses, God is committed to building you whole. God is committed to empowering you. God is committed to... Uh, uh, rounding you up god is uh, uh committed to blanketing you with his love and grace so know that you are known and loved by god third just real quick you may not necessarily solve grief but you don't have to suffer from it i think there are two different things We understand that we may grieve for the rest of our lives. It's something that we may not necessarily be able to shed off completely. But that doesn't mean that we have to continue to suffer from it. Make sense? So remember that. You don't necessarily solve grief, but you also don't have to suffer from it. Next point. Go to God, go to God. It sound, it's such a cliche. It's such a banal statement in the church. It's such a pastor thing to say. As you are coming to me, Scott, you don't know what happened. Scott, you don't know what pain I'm experiencing. To that I say, go to God. I know. Come up with something better, man. Can you be more creative? Do you have any more wise words to tell me? The best possible word and advice that I could submit to you is that you take all of your troubles. You take all of your grief. You take all of your confused and painful emotions. What do you do with that? You go to God. Psalm 55 verse 22 Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. It says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Literal t- translation of the Hebrew word cast is fling upward. Determine first where God is. In the direction of God, you throw away, you throw onto him whatever it is that you are carrying, seemingly your troubles and your burdens. Cast your cares. So bring, collect all of your troubles, all of your grief, sadness, emotions. You bring it all up, and what do you do? You cast it towards God. Cast it towards God. The God who said in the book of Matthew he says, what, is it? what did he say? Come upon me all who are heavy burdened. Take upon my yoke, for my yoke is light. You know what God says? God says, come, bring them onto me. I know what you're going through. I know what you're bearing. And all of your burdens, I can certainly take them on. Bring it on. Some of that will be in a form of prayer. Some of the, the, the going to God will be in a, a, the form of worship, singing songs unto the Lord. However way you can do, make sure that your troubles are released onto the Lord. One of the first experiences that I have of this, doing this, casting onto the Lord was uh, in the year 1998. So I was, uh, how old was I? Mm, I know, I don't want to give away my age. So, I was very young. You know, some of you guys think I'm like early 30s. I know I'm not that young, okay, guys? I know I look young. You know, the only old guys say that. So, I'm, uh, I was, uh, I think I was still a, a college student, my last year of college. And um, my family was going through a lot of troubles. During that time, um, it was shortly after that, my parents had filed bankruptcy. Um, they had lost uh, the small business, uh, small dry-cleaning business. Uh, by the way, do you know the rooftop church has a lot of families that come from dry-cleaning businesses? I don't know, like weird connection. Like weird, like like four or five families, we have history in that. Uh, but my our, our family business didn't do too well. So uh, after about five years or so, they had to just close down. And uh, we were pretty much like run out of the store that we had. Um, we were run out of the small apartment in Placentia that we were living in. I, we had to give up our car. Uh, we moved to this very small uh, apartment in the city of Lakewood, Delamo and uh, Centralia, uh, without the promise of a job for my dad or my mom. At that time, my brother was living in Korea, going through uh, uh, Korean military, and um, family had no money I had no prospect of just what's gonna happen i think what i know what i remember is that we had enough money for like two months rent and which is really really, really terrible uh, spot to be in and i was i was just really um i think i was just really like uh angry i mean, by that time i was you know christian i was you know i i lived faithfully i was serving at church and and you know, I wasn't like wilding, as some of you guys would say, like in college years. I, I was a pretty good person. I was b- responsible. But I all of a sudden, I had come to this realization like, man, life really is terrible. Excuse my life, but like life sucked. And the only person that I could, uh, that could be held responsible for everything that was happening in my life, in my view, was God. Because in 1994, I had given my life to God. I said, God, from this day forward, I belong to you. You should take care of me. In 1996, I said, God, I gave my life to God. I will serve you for the rest of my life. And I felt so angry that that I was receiving, what I was getting in response to my commitment to God was my family is now poor, my parents are getting old, and we have no guarantee of what's going to happen a month, two months down the road. So I remember, I think it was the 4th of July um, night, I drove down the street, I drove out of my uh, house, and I drove myself to Ralph's on Delamo and Pioneer. There was a supermarket. I drove into the parking lot, and I got out, and I remember just screaming. I just remember screaming at God. And that screaming turned into just profanity laden yelling, just full on, like outrage. And at that time, you have to understand, like, I, I wasn't somebody, I think I I think I curse more now <laughs> after becoming parent. <laughs> you know, like at the time, like it-, it wasn't part of my vocabulary, right? But all I mean all of this stuff just came out. I was just, and about like two minutes into it, like, I was just, I was so determined to let God have it. I was so determined to let him know that everything that I was feeling was his fault, that he was responsible, that that he made all these things, that he was a liar, that, that he he tricked me, that he was not trustworthy, that he was not dependable. And I remember just like going off, and I remember just sensing even like, Man, this is not something that a man of God should do. And this is not a way a, a good person should pray to God. And I knew that I sensed it. I felt it every word as every word was coming out. But at that time I couldn't control it. And at that time, even if I could stop it, I wanted God to hear, hear, and feel everything that I was feeling. So I don't know, the fireworks are going off, whatever, but I'm like just screaming, yelling, screaming. And you know how crazy this is? Imagine doing that in a parking lot. People are there. If not in the parking lot, they could hear you. I'm not a soft-spoken guy, guys. I'm a very passionate guy. So when I'm angry and passionate, it's loud. I remember praying, and I, after I just ran out of any, everything that I had to say, I remember sensing, I remember clearly feeling God saying to me, Scott, it's okay. Do more of that because I could take it. And I feel like some of you need to understand that prayer is not just necessarily uttering polished words, it's not reciting the Lord's Prayer, it's not reciting scriptures. Maybe this is not theological for some of you. In my my relationship with God, prayer is often your raw emotions. Prayer is grief, anger, sadness, helplessness, anxiety, all directed towards God. Because you recognize if anybody, if there's anyone, that could respond, that could resolve what I'm going through, then that person deserves to hear and feel exactly what you're feeling inside. So I submit to you today, in case that you may be grieving over something, please, fear not. Craft not the careful words unto the Lord. Cast all of your cares upon him. Amen? Please, this is also not a permission for you to just go on an angry rant. Not just a permission to curse all the time. Um, but you guys know what I'm saying, right? If it be it, I think God would rather much have you reveal all of your heart's contents rather than withhold it and not know what to do with it.